Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. The ninth chapter, verses 57 through 62. Uh, It is the same version that is in your pew Bibles. It's the new RSV and it's on page 86 if you'd like to read along. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. As they were walking along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we ask that your voice would come through clearly through all we do today. In the music, in the liturgy, in the hymns, in the scripture, through words that I may share, through the baptism of a child, all that we do, may it speak clearly with one voice that you have for each one of us. I recognize we may not hear the same words. We may not be touched by the same message, but I pray that each of us would leave this place knowing that you have spoken to them. Lord, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not exactly sure I like this new reference by which uh, I have been given. It's a title, I suppose. Um, Now that I've made the announcement that I'll be retiring at the end of June, I have been referred to as a short timer. It's like, I still have a lot of things to do. I mean, I'm not on vacation. I mean, there, there are things to happen here, but oh, you're just a short timer. And, and I know that it, it is meant, uh, I'm assuming, out of love and, and support. And at the same time, I understand that like all of us here, ministry is, is not just a job. Whether we're talking about our, our laity or the clergy that work together in the ministry team and the programs of this church, this is a calling. It's a vocation. Being a minister is, is who I am, even though at sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little unconventional in my approach and my understanding of the way I see things. I try to be real and honest. Um, if you don't want the answer, you don't ask the question because I will tell you what I think and you may not always like my interpretation. But at the same time, I welcome hearing the interpretations of what others are seeing and hearing as well. My faith and my vocation are an extension of who I am. 
which I suppose what I'm going to say next, this is going to be understandable. And, and it, it may at the same time be hard to hear, just like these scriptures this morning. But I find it really hard to be a pastor and to engage in meaningful ministry when you really don't like people. And, and I realize that may sound shocking, but it's true. I mean, think about it. It doesn't that happen in your own life. There are people that just get under your skin. You go, oh my gosh, I got to go work with these people today. And I, I sit next to this person at the office and, oh, I mean, there are people that just get under our skin. And if we're going to be really honest, we don't like them very much. And, and as I said, this is maybe hard to hear, but again, it's honest. I'm going to tell you what I think, and I'm not going to shy away from things. But these words are, uh, are not, there's more to that, that sentence. Than, I mean, with this in mind, Jesus never said, I want you to like people, did he? He didn't say, I want you to go out there and I want you to like everyone and become friends with everyone. I mean, Jesus made it quite clear. We are commanded to love people which is a far different and more difficult thing. I really believe we have made Jesus quite tame. I suspect if we truly allowed ourselves to hear the words that were recorded in this book, if we could remove the filters of Sunday school and, and so many other things and all of the sermons you've heard collectively of your life, and you could hear Jesus' words as if we were there when he spoke them the first time, we would probably find him to be a little abrupt, extremely honest, and, and, and maybe off-putting. Probably, yeah, let's be honest. I think he was off-putting. These words he spoke today were quite difficult. And, and many times if we would allow ourselves to hear what he is saying and get beneath the skin and touch our hearts and hear them from our heart rather than our self-protected egos, we would find there is a prick, there is a sting to his truth. I think these words this morning were not meant to be curt or harsh, but they were meant to be serious. They were meant to display what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple. But I truly believe that when Jesus invited someone to follow him, he is in essence saying, I believe in you. I believe you can do what I do. I believe you have all that is needed to make a difference in the world. But to follow me, you must put me and my priorities for your life at the top of the list. There's an ancient Jewish blessing that was given to a disciple. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. It's meaning as a follower of any teacher, you to take upon their yoke, their understanding of God's teaching, and then to follow them so closely to walk behind them, to listen to what they said, to view their mannerisms and follow them throughout the day. So at the end of the day, you would be completely covered in the dust that they stirred up with their feet. When you think about it, that gives us a whole new understanding of the meaning of following in the footsteps of Jesus, doesn't it? Following Jesus, not necessarily for the faint of heart. It puts us between a rock and a hard place, calling us to 
sometimes make choices that are difficult and hard. Trusting, believing, knowing deep within these hard choices will always lead us to the fullest of life. Consider these words from Luke. I mean, two followers came to him and said they, they had a desire. They, 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 they wanted to follow him. And, and of these followers, all of them, I suspect, were sincere. Their, their desire was true. One even saying, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And to this person, Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, and I, the Son of Man, the Messiah, have nowhere to lay my head. I mean, this is not exactly a good marketing strategy. To the others, Luke tells us of their encounter with Jesus. He says, in essence, drop everything. Becoming my disciple must take priority in everything else in your life. They are hard to hear, but in essence, Jesus is saying, look at and consider what is important to you in your life. What are your priorities? How do you arrange them? And how does your faith in me change that? In our Bibles, the editors often place titles or descriptions above each section or paragraph. And it's interesting, in this Bible, it's the Wesley Study Bible, the, the editors put over the, this paragraph of this section of Scripture, these are encounters with would-be followers of Jesus. I think it's an interesting description because it doesn't really say anything about that. They, they, it doesn't say that they would be. It doesn't say that they weren't sincere. It just simply said Jesus gave them a very blunt response and called them immediately to follow. I wonder if we soften the blow of these interactions to protect ourselves. Because if we're honest, we are all would-be disciples, are we not? I mean, the choice to become a disciple has a cost. It requires something of us. And I can tell you that even as a minister, there are days when I am on top of my game, I am plugged in and I am aware that, that I, I am able to give freely of my time and my energy and I understand the blessings that God has bestowed upon me and I hold everything with open arms and loosely. And then there are days when none of this is true. I suspect we could all say the same thing, couldn't we? And the reality is that being a follower of Jesus is not a one-size-fits-all sort of thing. Each of us, and I mean this, each of us, every single one of us here today is deeply gifted and talented and truly amazing, including those who are watching on screen. I don't care who you are. If you are a human being walking on this planet, you have amazing gifts and abilities and skills, even when we choose to ignore and not use them. And therein lies the problem. Sometimes we don't believe them ourselves. And if we certainly don't believe it ourselves for ourselves, then we're not going to see it in anybody else. I mean, I would love to tell you there are three easy steps to living a life fully and with authenticity. 
I would love to tell you if we would just all agree and find a way, get along and, and, and find the, the three or four specific things in this book that really mattered so that the whole world could come around those things, that everything would be perfect and we could find a way to create world peace. Even Jesus knew that was not true. I think it's Luke 16. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But keep hope. I have overcome the world. Jesus is aware in these verses that he's headed towards Jerusalem. He's aware that his time is short. He is aware that he is going to run into troubled and rough waters. And he isn't about to start watering things down now. His response, the one who boldly claims, I will follow you anywhere, may sound harsh or even cryptic, but Jesus is simply being completely honest. Following him means sometimes we must make choices that are not about ourselves, but are more focused on the needs of others. I think he's telling us if we're going to follow him, we need to learn how to knock down doors that are closed and to work to create ways to bring down the walls that divide us, helping us see that we can then use these very same walls as bridges through which we can discover all that we have in common as we learn to love others, even though we may not always like one another, that we are all one in the body of Christ. The next two responses where Jesus explains the seriousness and the urgency of his understanding of the message of the kingdom of God, or as some have taken to calling it the kingdom, to emphasize the fact that we are brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. He was saying there was and there still is no time to waste. And yet there's always things that we want to do, things that we, we, we feel like we need to do. But in truth, the message of God's love and God's call to enter into the healing, restorative work of grace, of the kingdom, must begin now, if not yesterday. If any doubt about this, look, about, look around. Read the headlines. We all know that. Turn on the television. Watch the nightly news. I truly believe one of the foundational reasons our world and our society is so filled with polarization and hostility and anger and fear is because the church, the body of Christ, has spent far too much time inside the walls of our buildings and not nearly enough being outside as the hands the arms, the eyes, the compassion of Christ. Taking care of the needs of others, reaching out beyond ourselves to do the hard work of the kingdom, building relationship with those we consider to be different, outsiders, unworthy, beneath us, too far gone. You fill in the blanks that keep you from doing it. I know what mine are. Being a follower of Jesus means taking care of what is most important first. Reaching beyond ourselves, listening to the fears and the stories and the needs of others. And in doing so, not only am I sure you will find common ground, but I also know that you will find healing for your own heart, that you'll find peace and comfort for your own worried mind. How do I know this? Because I, I've experienced it. I mean, I grew up as a, an only child, an extreme introvert, 
who learned how to take care of himself because my parents weren't around. I have a really hard time asking for help. Ask anybody who works for me. I really don't like asking for help because I think, well, by golly, if it's got to be done, I'm the only one who can do it. Not a real good way to get along with people. I can tell you that I can live for days, weeks, in my own imagination. I can wall myself up and be so disconnected. I don't know what's going on in the world around me. And I can tell you when I've done those things, it is not the best way to live. And I can tell you when I do those things, I truly miss the life that God has called all of us to embrace. So what does any of this mean? I believe our, the truest test of our faith and love is how we then put them into action when times of turbulence and fear. I believe, if we're going to be honest, the, the path before us is, is like going out in a, for a walk in the woods when there is absolutely no trail. All we see is a dense forest in front of us. And we must become trailblazers. We must become those who hear the voice of God to go into the woods and to respond to that voice and say, yes, Lord, I will. Doing so, knowing that as we act on our faith, others will be encouraged to do the same. Now, they may not enter the woods the same way or in the same place or with the same message, but yet they will go out in faith and respond to God's call. And if enough of, it do it, enough of us do it, a trail will begin to emerge as more and more people respond and they see the connection of our witness of our faith. It will become like a current that gathers people together and carries them forward. These trails are not necessarily supernatural, but maybe they are because they come when we respond to God by saying yes when we're willing to trust God's love, when we truly believe that God always has what is best for us in mind. It may not be what we think we need, but it's always, always the best for us. James Thurber in his last collection of essays said, let us not go back in anger or forward in fear, but around in awareness. Then he later wrote, when entering any situation, assuming the worst suspends our ability to access authentic emotions, and I would add creative solutions. And as a result, clear-eyed, open-hearted, and again, I would add truly compassion, decisions are not made. 20th century English poet Ted Hughes said, the only thing people regret is that they didn't, didn't live boldly enough that they didn't invest enough heart, they didn't love enough. He went on to say, anytime we take a chance, we make ourselves vulnerable. That is very true. We take a risk that we may be hurt. But at the end of the day, if we do not do that, we're more likely to regret that we lived life too cautiously to be enjoyed fully. You know, as I listen to these words of Jesus, and one of the things I try to do is I look at the scriptures, I, I try to put myself in the text. What would I do? What do I hear? What would Jesus say to me? And the questions that came to me that I, I believe are God's questions I must wrestle with as I continue my journey of faith, because you realize it never ends. It begins at baptism. 
But that journey carries us till we take our last breath. And these are my questions, but I share them with you. They may not be yours, but I ask you to ask God, encourage you. So what are your questions? The first one of mine is, what do I know and I choose not to see? What do I know and I choose not to see? The second is, what do I see and then choose to ignore? And the third is, what do I ignore, failing to believe to do so will truly lead to my undoing? These questions are not easily answered. You can't do it in, in one moment. They take years of struggle, I'm sure. I'll be working on them, as I said, the rest of my life. But I encourage you to do the same. Ask God, what are your questions of discipleship? These questions are an encounter with Jesus. And now I consider, I hope that they'll be your encounter as well. As I said earlier, I, I don't mean to be critical of any of us, I, but I'm also not going to sugarcoat it. I know for myself, and I'm sure that I'm no different from you, you and I have good days, but there are other days we are would-be followers of Jesus. But each day is a new opportunity to enter the woods and go into the wild places of our lives, those places we really don't want to go. And in doing so, I know that we will find a life that is full and rich and abundant and filled more deeply with meaning than if we do not. So I end with these words from the English poet in the 19th century. Her name was Sarah Williams. The quote is from her poem, The Old Astronomer. They are the astronomer's dying words to his student as he shared his desire to travel his final journey, his last journey into the woods, the woods of all of our lives. I have loved the stars so fondly to be fearful of the night. I have loved the stars so fondly to be fearful of the night. Go out at night, take a look at the stars, the world around you. The beauty is everywhere. Then lower your gaze and see the people. Those people who look different, who are different, and look in their eyes. I tell you, as you look into your eyes, you will see something. A connection that may not be all that comfortable, but I encourage you to stay there. Because in this connection is where we will all find hope. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.